You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma, a triumphant version of Three Ma here today, just uh, hours after K-State takes down number nine Baylor at Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, we're out here grinding. We're out here grinding for you, uh, doing another podcast. And uh, man, it's a hell of a night. We were all there in Bramlage um, and uh, back on little sleep here to turn around and do this for you, but very happy to do it. And that calls for uh, a raising of your glass uh, from our friends at Holiday Distillery, please. Whether it is 360 Vodka or their Ben Holiday Bottled In Bond Bourbon, make sure that you are choosing Holiday Distillery uh, for your spirits when you're watching the Cats, when you're not watching the Cats. Frankly, just whenever. But we appreciate them. Great K-State folks who support us, so please uh, support them as well. Man, I mean, a lot of a lot of things running through my head after this one. One, that was just a freaking blast uh at bramlage uh crowd was amazing we got i I think potentially like a top 10 bramlage crowd pop moment with the arthur kaluma three and four point play at the end of overtime that that put k-state over the top and won the game but really i mean you you start looking down the stat sheet i mean there there are a lot of things you could look at i I particularly look at give up 23 offensive rebounds the offensive rebounds are 23 to 9 so baylor took 22 more shots than k-state Case they turned it over 17 times and uh and yet they won the game. Uh in some ways, probably a law of averages tilting back after a game in Lubbock that K-State probably should have won. I'm sure Baylor right now is completely sick that they found a way to lose that game. They were up five or six multiple times in the last couple minutes of regulation and overtime. And still K-State found a way to win. But I uh, just a gritty, gritty, tough win for this team at, at home that they really needed to uh to anchor down a quad one win. Yeah, quad one win is the big one, right? It's the resume builder that Kansas State needed and that they were kind of grasping for, and hopefully Villanova keeps working themselves into that discussion as well, and it becomes, at the end of the day, when the season's over, two quad one wins, uh, and obviously you want more than two. Uh, KSU underscore fan, I think he put it in our group chat, maybe on the board, but he was looking at like the bubble teams, like last four in that made it last year, and they were all around four or five quad one wins, so... It's probably not as steep of an uphill climb, I think, as we were all kind of envisioning at one point when you consider uh, some of the teams that made it last year. But either way, that's a big one. You you still wish you would have had the one intact now, especially because with Oklahoma State coming up at home, and, and obviously I still think that's probably going to be a dogfight still at the end of the day. You have a 5 no start on the you know in your grasp and um, another quad one win. But like you said, law of averages still to yell. Law of average is also telling you out, and you, you said it, Kansas State shot 22 more times, uh, turned over a bunch, got beat on the glass. Uh, a lot of the, you know, ancillary stats there would show that Kansas State probably got whipped a little bit, but at the end of the day, Kansas State's defense was just so elite, um, very resilient, a lot of resolve. Uh, it persevered. Like, even when their offense is – it's a tough watch at times. So like, uh, like there's no way around it. Um, it either looks really pretty or it looks like they just started playing together yesterday. Like it, it can be that bad. But guess what? That defense is so good. Ba- Baylor missed a couple clean looks late, and I think the fatigue factor was starting to play in for Kansas State. 
and sometimes that shows up on the defensive end. Uh, but at the end of the day, their defense was so good. Uh, Baylor shot really, really bad in this game, and I don't think it was just because they got a ton of good looks and it didn't drop. I don't think Baylor got that many good looks. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a fluke in any way the way Baylor shot the basketball. I, Kansas State's defense is one of the best in the country. In fact, we had Parker on our Discord channel on patreon.com slash 3 run the numbers. I didn't have a chance to get to it. He, he gave them back to me. According to Bart Torvik, K-State in its last 10 games defensively is number three in the country. They're the third best defense in the nation over their last 10 games. And look, if you look over that 10-game period, K-State's opponents are shooting a combined 222 of 610 from the floor. That is 36% from the floor. It's tremendous. K-State's now 21st in the country, or 17th in the country, actually, in defensive field goal percentage allowed at 39.5%. And K-State's opponents in Big 12 play in four league games, 33 of 97 from three. That is 24%. This is not a fluke. K-State is one of the better defensive teams in the country. They're 21st in Ken Palm now. They jumped another 10 spots with their performance last night in Ken Palm and the defensive efficiency metrics. Eurek Malagy told us on the pod at Colbert Hills in support of Wildcat NIL at the beginning of the year, they want to be the best defense in the country. Jerome Tang echoed that. And right now, they're showing that that's going to be their calling card, that defense is what's going to win this team games. It may not be pretty at times, but they're going to grind out games like this, and they're going to find a way to win. And it's an incredible defensive performance against a Baylor team that came into the country, number four Ken Palm offense in the nation. They were number six nationally in field goal percentage at uh, 58%, um, or I'm sorry, at, at 50.5%. They were number one in the country at three-point percentage at just under 44%, number two in the country in effective field goal percentage at 58%. K-State holds Baylor to 17% from three. They hold them to 33% from the floor overall and 36% effective field goal percentage. It was the worst overall shooting performance from the floor for Baylor this season uh, comparatively to Oklahoma State was the next worst at 42.5%. So K-State held Baylor, held Baylor to 10% lower than their next worst shooting effort this year. They held Baylor to 0.88 points per possession for the game, including 0.81 points per possession in the second half in overtime. That's per KSU underscore fan. That's a terrific defensive performance. Uh, Baylor shot 47% from the free throw line, all right? You call it, that's just luck, right? A season worst. That's a season worst that this Baylor team shot from the line. It's not all luck. K-State fouled Bez Missy, their big man. Every time he caught it at the rim, he goes 3 of 7 at the rim. That's knowing your scouting report. Messi's a 49% free throw shooter. He goes three of seven. That's attention to detail. K-State was so attentive to all the details last night in this game, and defense won it for him. Also, just throw out, you know, Ray J. Dennis, Baylor star, point guard, number two in the Big 12, and assists per game at 6.3. You know, he's a terrific shooter. He's shooting 53% from the field this season. He's, he's great from two as well. He goes two of 15 from the floor, 13%. His next worst shooting effort this season in a game was 33%. In fact, Dennis has over 1,700 career points. He had his worst shooting game since 2021, a span of 94 games. And then Jacoby Walter, their freshman phenom, who leads them at over 15 points per game, the number nine recruit in the 2023 recruiting class, 3 of 11 from the floor and 0 of 5 from 3. Baylor's three starting guards go 8 of 36, 22%, and 1 of 15 from 3. Yeah. Before we go back to you, John, Cole kind of jarred some things loose there for me um, that brought some things up uh, that I, a couple of, that I already had been thinking about. One is 
Yes, the defense has been outstanding, and a lot of this will be focused on that. But they're also making it tougher on themselves than it has to be on defense, too, because they're not rebounding anymore. They were one of the better rebounding teams, and now uh, even despite giving up all these offensive rebounds to both Baylor and, and Texas Tech, if you, the defense will get a second or third stop. Like, And and that's where you worry about the fatigue factor in late games, too, because you're just, cause they're expending a lot of energy on that end of the floor, and that does kind of spill into your offense. Not from a morale or standpoint or anything, but more, I mean, where are your legs going to be when it matters the most? And they're st- starting to work in some bench a little bit more than they have been in recent weeks, but you're still running a lot of guys out there for 34, 35 minutes. So you wonder what the wear and tear could be like throughout Big 12. So I think that's something to keep in mind. They could make it a lot easier on themselves because they are such a good defensive unit to just rebound the ball and not have to defend the shot clock three different times in one possession. Another one was Cole mentioned attention to detail. I asked Coach Tate in the press conference, I was like, your defense has gotten so much better almost every single week of the season. What what makes them special at this point? And he mentioned attention to detail. And the guy that I always single out when it comes to this is David Gasson. Is every single game, if you really watch what how this Kansas State defense plays, at least from an individual standpoint, and I know it's more of a team game in, in that respect, but you think about who else is on the floor for the opponent and, and what the scouting report would be on each given player. Like David Gasson, every single game knows exactly how he should be defending each player, when to pass them off, when to press them, when to back off, when to force left, when to force right, um, how to go about it in the pick and roll. Like there's not a more prepared player on the defensive side of the ball uh, than David Gasson. So attention to detail, uh, he is a great example of that. So I would uh, you know, echo what Cole said on the attention to detail part. So with Jerome Tegg. And then there are three and one in the Big 12 chance to go four and one on Saturday. But every single coach, and I went back and I kind of looked at the the press conferences because I, I was in the room with Johnny Dawkins. I was not with Josh Eiler, but I went back and, and uh, looked at the transcript from that one. And then I was with Grant McCaslin, and then again with Scott Drew, the four opponent coaches that Kansas State has played. And they all keep, without being provoked necessarily, it's a little bit of an open-ended question, talk about the Kansas State length on defense is what really bothers them. And obviously Kansas State's doing things schematically to unlock and to effectively use that length. So Jerome Tang and his defensive coaches, whether it be Eric Malagy or Dream Dowling, deserve a lot of credit for that. But it's the length. The people are like, length? MB-. I mean, Scott Drew even said NBA length, and I think some of the fans scoffed at that, but they shouldn't. Think about how – now, some of it is makes Kansas State limited in certain areas, but they have almost on the floor at all times. Arthur Kaluma, extremely long. David Gasson, extremely long. And then Jarrell Colbert or Will McNair, both extremely long. Like, Kansas State, they have a lot of size on the floor at any given moment. Most of that's because they're so limited in the backcourt, so they have to play with more size. But that really is bothering teams from a defensive standpoint. Well, even, I mean, Cam Carter's fairly long. Dorian Finister's pretty long and athletic. I mean, you know, I think that even extends to the backcourt, too, outside of Tyler Perry. He's, like, the one regular that's going to be out there that doesn't have it. But, yeah, everybody else on the floor does. And you just have, you have so many guys coming up in huge moments. You know I mean? We talk about the defense. Obviously, it was good throughout, but just when it when it needed to be, it was really good too. And even from guys who can get a lot of criticism and, you know, I saw some discussion online about Jarrell Colbert v. Will McNair and, and should Colbert be playing more? And I think, look, 
we've advocated for Colbert to play more. He did last night and had some really nice minutes for them and had a, a, a huge contest, for instance, that led to the Tyler Perry run out three, which was one of the big, big moments in the game. But beyond that, I mean, I, you know, I was watching back when I got home last night and should have been sleeping. I was rewatching towards the end of the game. I mean, like Will McNair was great in the in the last like five minutes of regulation at overtime. Like Will McNair had some just mammoth rebounds, contests, yeah, like someone went in the horn. He well, I just I some of it I would imagine with him has to be just energy levels, and when he's got the energy. He's good. I mean, he played 27 minutes. So, okay, I guess he he didn't even hit 30 minutes. I think he can give you really good stuff in spurts. And then if if the tank starts hitting E for him, then it may get it, it may go down faster than others just because of his size. And then you start getting limited limited results from him. And and obviously we know what he can do offensively, like back to the basket every once in a while. That kind of comes and goes too. But man, Texas Tech, he had a stretch late in the game too, where all of a sudden after I was frustrated with him for most of the night, I was like, or most of the day. I'm like, damn, all right, he's giving them some really nice minutes here. So in crunch time, I, Will McNair actually has has really stepped up. And then if you want to go to David Gasson, you know, I mean, he taps out the rebound off of the Dorian Finister miss three that eventually leads to the and one from Arthur Kaluma. Like a, a lot of these guys that we have been frustrated with at times are finding ways to really contribute. Obviously, I mean, I'm just going to run down the list that Dorian Finister's alley-oop and transition highlight moment. Um, Tang really praised his effort to get down the floor on that one. And then like RJ Jones, you know what I mean? They have to play RJ Jones in overtime and they're down by five and the, the dude just sticks a three. And he had probably played single digit minutes in big 12 play before that. So you just have guys finding ways to contribute. And it syncs to me with what, what Tang said in the press conference, which was that you, you have guys like Jarrell Colbert and RJ Jones starting to buy in more. And it seems like they're just getting a lot more of that across the board from everybody. Yeah, and and I will extend what you're saying about McNair. I exact I feel I feel the exact same way. Like he was for ninety percent of the night, probably a guy that we were all pulling our hair out a little bit over what he was doing. And you wonder if the thirty seven minutes at Lubbock had a carryover effect at some point. But the last two or three minutes of regulation and in overtime, for the most part, there were still some moments here and there. The rebounding thing started to shift a little bit. I mean. I remember that last two minutes of overtime, David Gasson and Will McNair just, I've never seen those two play harder in terms of going for rebounds. Like Gasson had two or three. Gasson had one where when the ball hit the rim, he was underneath the basket and he made the rebound at the three-point line. That's how hard he was working to get that rebound. Dorian Finister, you brought him up. You brought up his alley-oop. I'll bring up the things that he did without scoring. You talked about the Tyler Perry run out three where Dorian Jarrell Colbert got the stop. Dorian Finister, probably while getting fouled, made the great outlet pass to get that three-pointer in transition. And then the R.J. Jones three off the offensive rebound from David Gasson, an unselfish pass, great pass from, or from Dorian Finister as well, or from R.J. Jones. Finister had the pass to R.J. Jones for the three in the corner. That's right. Yep. Uh, I, I was going to mention that, D.Y. It was a heck of a pass drive by Dorian Finister. I think you saw him play with more confidence last night than at any point that he's played in so far. Because he was willing to take big shots, too. I mean, it wasn't just the alley-oop dunk. He had a drive uh, a couple different times, but one he, he put in there for a drive that was a tough finish in traffic. He shows his athleticism. But you know what I, what I really love? He had the courage down two with 25 seconds left in the game to take that three from the baseline. 
Like he wasn't gun shy. And you know what? It wasn't, it was not that far off. And the way they got the high carom as a result, Gasson gets the offensive rebound and they get the three and the four point play from Kaluma at that point. But the fact that Dorian Fenister had the guts to take that shot speaks volumes to a guy that I think is really becoming a confident player out there. You can just see it growing. He's got tremendous athleticism, and you see a future there. Jerome Tang says in the post game last night to you guys that he's got NBA talent, you know, in his game in the future. And so, you know, a lot to work with, some tools there, especially. He's all out hustler. He plays so incredibly hard. He had three assists last night, you know. And then the RJ Jones thing, I mean, the the courage to make that three for a guy that's hardly played over the last several weeks to just step in in that moment and make that shot that shows a lot rj after the game was just all smiles now he's always a smiling guy but you could see like just bubbling personality like how good he felt he's a texas kid to make a shot like that to contribute to a win that might be something that unlocks rj jones going forward and gives them a guy that uh, his confidence takes off and they they build more depth it felt like last night and over the last couple games, they're starting to slowly maybe build some depth and and get some new pieces into the fold. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's a lot of reason to believe this could this could lead to some guys taking off, and and I want to talk about that. But uh, first, we got to tell you about our home friends at uh, Home Field Apparel. Make sure you get to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code three mile twenty three for fifteen percent off all the great K State gear, like this hoodie that I'm wearing, still wearing it. After last night, because it's that damn comfortable, I do not want to uh, to take it off. It is great. Old school Cats logos, uh, old school football logos, whatever it is that you want, they've got it at homefieldapparel.com, plus 100-plus other squads there. And again, we're giving you 15% off your first order there with promo code 3MA23. We're back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. See, I mean, here's what I love about this discussion. It's, you know, we were sitting there complaining the other day about like, hey, like RJ Jones is the guy that they really need. They need him because of his three-point shooting ability and just some extra help in the backcourt. Like they need him to be able to give them some minutes. And Jarrell Colbert was the debate over like, should they be playing him more? It seems like he can offer some pretty nice things in spurts. Now we're hearing Jerome Tang say after the game that they've been buying in more already. Then they go out and have that game where they both have their their huge moments that contribute to the win. That has to instill a lot of confidence to them. And I think sometimes, you know, especially if you're a younger guy like RJ Jones, a freshman really fighting it, you know, it could just seem like, like, why, why am I doing this? And why am I not getting playing time? And that's, that's like a tangible thing that you can now show him. And he is experienced to be like, look, you just hit a three in an overtime game to help us beat a top 10 team in an environment like that. That was amazing. That's why you're doing this. That's why you're grinding the way that you are in practice. Like, I think sometimes you can say it all you want. Jerome Tang can say it. Eric Malagy can say it. Whoever, Reem. But you have to experience the the payoff and the moment of the payoff for it to really sink in. And so I, I just get really excited about what that could do for those guys the rest of the year because now they, they have experienced what it was like to see the fruits of that labor payoff. Yeah, without that payoff, it, it is really tough for a freshman to keep working and working and working for basically what they view because they're only seeing what's in front of their face, you know, two feet. Uh, over and over again, but the, the buy-in is starting to come there, and you like that from R.J. Jones and Jarrell Colbert. And, and I'll use Dorian Finister as an, as an example because it happened for him sooner than everybody else, and, and the fruits of his labor are certainly paid off right now. And what I think is is when you got college, basically high school players, and they enter the college basketball game, all of these kids were stars and the best players of their team and, you know, told how good they were for, you know, all their life. And and that's not a bad thing. I mean, they've earned that. But now they have to basically embrace a lesser role and be okay with that. And sometimes there's a battle in acceptance of that, right? You have to be very selfless. And, you'll, and that's a learned trait, too. It's like we're not all born to be selfless, right? That you have to care more about your team than yourself. And sometimes that takes longer for others to acknowledge and accept and appreciate and do and actually act out than others. Because just look at what Dorian Finister has done now for three, three and a half weeks. When we were all scoffed, when he's well, it's probably a month now, we all kind of scoffed initially, like we're going to play Dorian Finister major minutes now, like Dorian Finister is going to be the sixth man now. And now, you know, we all to an extent have an egg and pie on our face because he's now probably the unquestioned sixth or seventh man on this team because he goes into the game and he doesn't care about himself, right? He doesn't care about his own numbers. Like you, we talked about it, what he did last night. Like his best stuff was some of his defense, although, you know, it's not crisp, it's not perfect, but he, he's tough, tough as nails on rebounds. <coughs> Excuse me. And some of his better plays were the passes, the 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 pass to R.J. Jones in the corner for three. The pass to Tyler Perry in transition for a three. Those were his best plays. You know, everyone's going to remember the alley-oop, but he didn't have to do much there. He just ran his butt down the court, beat everybody down the court, and dunked the basketball. That's probably the easiest thing he did all night, right? So it's it's being willing to do the other stuff that affects winning that maybe doesn't show up in the box score, 
And Dorian Fisher has done that for almost a month now. And that's why he's very reliable and everyone trusts him. And now you're starting to see that from guys like RJ Jones, um, guys like Jarrell Colbert. I mean, Jarrell Colbert, the only thing that gets him into trouble, and I like it, but he, you know, he's got to bounce it out, is he tries to block every shot. But that's not a bad thing, but he tries to block every shot. You know what this all goes back to me, guys? This all goes back to the Chicago State game when Jerome Tang highlighted Taj Manning and his willingness to get on the scout team that week and then what he did in the game when he got the opportunity to help lift them to that game where they had struggled as a team. And Taj Manning, it feels like that example that he set has kind of changed the mindset of some of these younger guys on this team and how they're playing because you heard Jerome Tang talk last night once again in the postgame about guys willing to do scout team and how that caught his attention. Jarrell Colbert was willing to jump on scout team this week. RJ Jones has been willing to jump on the scout. And so to me, it all goes back to Taj Manning and setting that example and Jerome Tang highlighting it that helped spur this team. And some of these guys, now they see that opportunity and when their moment comes, they step through it. And I, I think it's only going to build them and make them better for the long run, you know? And so uh, RJ gives them six minutes last night, but six huge minutes. I mean, the other three that he took should have went down. It went down and out. I mean, he was almost 2-2 from three. Uh, Jarrell Colbert, you guys already highlighted. I don't need to add much more. I thought he was terrific. He gave him 17 minutes. That's big. And, John, you mentioned Will McNair getting that rebound. You know why I think, you know, not not just that rebound, but he had one really big one late in the game in overtime. And I think part of the reason he was able to get those rebounds is because what you just mentioned, he played 27 minutes. He was a little more fresh. He played 33 against Texas Tech on the road. They got him more breaks in this game because they were able to play Colbert and give him that third big to play out there. So I thought that was a big part of it as well. They're, they're going to build – they're building more depth. Michaela Bridge got a few minutes out there too. Jerome Tang had a willingness to play other guys. And so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a great sign uh, going forward and the way that they won this game, and it's just incredible – that Jerome Tang is now 10-0 and in overtime games. I mean, it's just – it's insane how this team was able to pull that game away. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact they were down six points with 157 left in the game in regulation, and they found a way to get it to overtime. And then they're down five with a minute and three left in the game, and they they outscore Baylor in the final minute three, nine to nothing. That's insane. Yeah. I will – there's a couple of things there. One is – and Coach Tang said that, you know, the you had the Todd Manning scouting report go on the scout team situation, and then this week you had that from R.J. Jones and Jarrell Colbert. Him emphasizing when that stuff happens and basically acknowledging it and embracing it and heaping praise, you're basically showing what you want the your rest of your team, right? You're you're basically convincing guys, this is what I want. This, But he's saying it's not just – okay, this is what I have to do to try to get on the floor. You know, they're doing this because they care about one another. So you, this team's also growing. And when you start to care about one another and you grow together like that, then you develop a special cohesion and chemistry that sometimes manifests itself on the court. And I thought that was a lot of what happened last year too, especially on an intimate like tournament run, just amount of, and just wanting to be around each other, loving to play with one another. I think you're starting to see that with this team. And I, I think Jerome Tang has a pretty special ability to create that environment that's conducive to it because one of the more significant moments, and I tweeted about it, was I thought was in the postgame press conference. You know, when Mason, and it was a fair question, he asked Tyler Perry to basically address some of his shooting woes because, once again, Tyler Perry, what, one of eight, one of nine from the three-point line, 
just hasn't had it quite this year from the three-point line as he's had it in other years. And and Perry took it head on, didn't hate the question, respected it, and gave a great answer, owned it, um, said he continues to struggle, it be, took all kinds of accountability for it, said some of it's been in his head. Um, and then, you know, you know, to thank his teammates for still trusting him and all that stuff and the coaches as well for, for continuing to count on him. But then Arthur Kaluma, and this question was not towards anyone else, just towards Perry. Arthur Kaluma basically cuts it off and just shuts it down. It's like, look, Tyler Perry's our best leader. If we wouldn't be anywhere we are without him. And that just kind of showed to me that this team is trying to, it's starting to become a player empowered team. They're just owning everything. They're protecting each other, defending each other. They love each other. I thought that was significant when Arthur Kuba just stepped in and just shut that down. Like, well, no, wait a minute. This guy is still our most important player, our best leader, and we wouldn't be anywhere we are without him. And I look, he needs to shoot better. I get it. But we also have to acknowledge at the same time, in my opinion, Tyler Perry is playing 40, played 43 minutes last night. He's had two other games where he's played north of 40 minutes. I don't know of a game he's played less than 36 minutes. And right now he's having to do all of the ball handling. Do all the ball handling for 43 minutes and tell me how tired he'd be too. Well, and someone needs to, I, can we get a Nike rep on the phone to get him some new GD shoes? I mean, good Lord. You know, he slipped like four times. I, that rear end was probably hurting by the end of the night too. Um, but no, I mean, all fair points. I think it goes back to, you know, throughout the year, there have been moments where we're kind of like, you know, okay, like Dorian Finister's playing. Like what? Why is RJ Jones on the bench? Why can't they use Jarrell Colbert? Like, why are we a month into the season and Arthur Kaluma is not playing a game because they're sending some sort of message to him? And like, you know, you're not developing cohesion. These games look awful. You're in overtime with North Alabama. Like, what what is going on? And this whole way we're kind of questioning it. Like, what does Tang not have it this year? Like, what is he doing? We're seeing that come together. We're seeing it come together with everything Derek just outlined and the team buying in. And it, yes, did it take longer than you would perhaps want it to? Yeah, sure. Um, but they did survive in all of those games, thanks in part to Tyler Perry's shooting that, you know, a lot of us, myself included, will complain about in the in the heat of the moment. But they have survived, and now you're seeing it all really come together. The, this dude knows what the hell he's doing, man. I mean, I, I know, I mean, I, I tell I tell myself a lot, like, Hey, I know you're a little frustrated right now, but Jerome Tang has never led you astray. Like what this guy, this guy figures it out. Like not, not even, even when we're talking about like transfer portal stuff, you know, I mean, we, we had moments where you get frustrated with roster building in the portal and it's just like, he knows what he's doing. He's going to figure it out. He knows how to develop a team, develop a culture. And this team is playing so much greater than the sum of its parts right now. I mean, it's, it's insane. If you just look at, the individual pieces here and what they've been this year, you would say there's no way those things can fit together to be a team that's three and one in the Big 12 right now and just took down a top 10 team at Bramlage. But they are because they are so much greater than the sum of their parts. And that's just a sign of a freaking phenomenal coach, man. I mean, Jerome Tang is just a phenomenal coach. It's, it's about trust. I'll go with DY. I was going to say one other thing I wanted to say before I forget. A lot of people are calling it a game that kids say stole. And I understand that part. And compared to Texas Tech, maybe maybe that's what it is. But we have to remember they just beat Baylor, top ten Baylor, like John just said, at home. And they did it with one point guard because Day Day again wasn't available or didn't play. He was dressed, so I think he's close. But they did it with one point guard, and that point guard is still more comfortable off the ball. By the way, let's let's keep that in mind. And with Cam Carter on the bench because he fouled out and basically did play all over overtime. 
Yeah, I mean, look, on the day-day front, the good news is you were able to rest day-day and uh, make sure that he's going to be closer to 100% when he does see the floor and he still won the game. And if day-day can get going too, this team takes another step. And if they can move TP off the ball or take him off the floor just a, a little bit more, because to what you mentioned, D.Y., on the, the 43 minutes, I mean, Missy Heydrich, when we had her on to talk about the women's basketball team last week, one of the things she talked about is just how exhausting it is to be a point guard and constantly have the ball in your hands and to have you know, mentally exhausting, physically exhausting. And Tyler Perry constantly has that pressure defense on him. And how many times, I mean, I thought TP got into the paint a lot last night. I thought he made some nice moves. Like there's a reason TP shot 12 free throws, right? And he goes 11 and 12 from the free throw line, which by the way, is incredibly difficult to do when you're playing 43 minutes. I mean, he still goes 11 and 12 from the foul line. He's the best free throw shooter in the league at over 93%. Uh, he made three huge free throws down the stretch to get that game to overtime, just getting to the the foul line and his ability to do so there. The one thing I'll say about him, yeah, he went three of 14 from the floor and one of eight from three, but he had seven rebounds, four steals, and four assists. He made a couple really nice defensive plays, getting into passing lanes as well. I thought he was really good there and uh, filled the stat sheet for Kansas State, and the shooting hopefully will come as he gets a little bit, maybe a little bit more of a break during games, they get day-day back and they can trust him a little bit more as well. But to what your point was, John, on the process and this, uh, and you know, some of the close calls earlier in the year to some of those low majors, it's all about Jerome Tang trusting the process and he has these long-term visions. And D.Y., you've said this from the start, you always say this, you know, Jerome Tang doesn't care about, you know, what happens in November, December. He, he's looking toward March and the long game. And Jerome Tang said that too. He wants K-State to be at its best and his team to be at its best in March. And so he goes through his process and he doesn't care. Like if they win ugly in November and December and there's outside noise and people are complaining, he doesn't care. The staff doesn't care. They want these guys to be best in March. And so he followed through and executed on his plan, sending messages to guys, et cetera, and they're going to be better off for it. Well, you'll be better off if you hang out with our friends at DraftKings, too. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and you use code KCSN. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. I don't even, you know, Ontario, look, K-State beat Baylor last night. You guys should be happy anyway. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. Uh, I will say this. the uh, <laughs> I got a text on the on the gambling front here. I got a text from a, a you know prominent media KU buddy of mine who was like, Dude, why is Baylor only a one and a half point favorite? And then I think by the, by the time the game even tipped in some places, K-State was a slight favorite. And I was like, yeah, no, that that that's why. I mean, I look. I laid it. Well, I laid it out. So I was like, look, they went to overtime at Oklahoma State. I mean, that's their one true road game this year. It's, road teams are like five and fifteen in the Big Twelve right now. And Jerome Tang's lost one conference game at home, and that was a one possession loss to a top ten team in Texas last year. So you know, pretty pretty compelling case there. I don't know what he actually bet. 
or uh, how he how he went down on that, but uh, you know, it worked out for us. Kansas State even covered because it was like a minus one on DraftKings, I think, by, by the by the tip. So uh, Kansas State covered. I think Jerome Tang now twenty six and two in Bramlage Coliseum. So the books are probably uh, making are probably adjusting for that. It's like KU. Uh, not not may not KU level. I'm not going to piss off any Jayhawks here. I get it. You're God's gift to Earth at Allen Fieldhouse, and you get every call. But 26 and two in Bramlage Coliseum, the clunker against Nebraska, and the second half collapse against Texas. Yeah, I mean, one of their only losses is with John sitting courtside. I mean, Nebraska. I was that that is that is the funny the funny part is like that. I had like zero fun. I mean, like it was cool. And I mean, shout out, shout out to our, our guy Garth for the hookup there. But like, um, that was zero fun. Like that entire game was like, you're just like, what is going on? It was just frustration I, the entire time. I had fun last night, John. Shout out to John for the the hookup, uh, J O N John. So really appreciate that. Family had a lot of fun down there. So watch the game and uh, look across from. <laughs> The the bench of Baylor, and you will see a cool man back giving heck to the refs. For I don't. I, it can't. You can't say giving heck for what Cole was doing, man. He was giving him hell, <laughs> giving him hell. I had uh, okay. Let's let's talk about the experience here because that was a fucking blast. Okay, so let's the experience of the game was was great. So yes, Cole was Cole was sitting court. Actually, one thing I do want to say to tack on to the end of that discussion. One of the things I hit on the most, you guys know on the group chat, I, it annoys the hell out of me when Tyler Perry tries to take guys off the dribble. And there were still plenty of times last night where that didn't work out very well and he was slipping and falling and whatever. But he found ways to get creative and he found ways to get into the lane. He found ways to get fouled. He had an and one. So that that seems to be evolving. I, In fairness, I do. I got to give him that. Okay. So as far as the game goes, yeah. First half, you know, Cole completely deserts me. Completely deserts me. You know, for these courtside, you know, fancy seats. We were supposed to ride together to the game. That disappears at the 11th hour. And so, you know, I'm driving myself to Bramlage. And then at some point he's like, hey, I might have extra tickets for you to bring a friend or something. And then I texted and I was like, well, I, like the tickets, like where the ones up top, like where never got a response. So I just roll into the game, you know, like literally about a minute before starting lineups come in. And I stand in our row and I look to my left and I look to my right and I'm telling you, I could have laid down and taken a nap. I mean, there, you know, the arena was 90% full. I think every empty seat was in our row. There was nobody there. So it's like, it's just me, just me hanging out with my hamburger and my jacket. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of like, okay, like this is, it's a little weird. Like there's like, there's a lot of energy in the building. There's no energy in my row. And so I text my buddy, Steve. I mean, shout out to my buddy, Steve. Um, he, I was like, hey, man, are you here? Because I had seen him. He had actually been in our section one of the games. So I was like, I wonder if Steve's here. He's like, uh, yeah, man. He's like, I'm down on row one, section 12. And so I looked down. I was like, oh, yeah, there he is. Okay. So, you know, it's underneath the basket. So you do have kind of an obstructed view. But I was like, hey, that's way down there. And he's like, I've got an open seat. Come come sit with me. I was like, okay, perfect. So I went down there and shout out to the folks down at the bottom of section 12. You talk about, you know, giving, giving the officials hell. And uh, they were enjoying me giving the officials hell. So the energy picked up considerably in the second half. It was a, a really good time. But I had to text Cole at one point. It was after Jarrell Colbert got called for a foul on a block. He, he just swatted yeah. the shit out of the ball. Yeah. He got called for a foul. And I was like, okay, I'm like, it's time to get serious. Instead of just, you know, yelling random things, I text Cole. I was like, Cole, 
what's the name of that slick looking young dude ref? I'm like, what's what's his name? Give me a name, please. And Cole, I mean, like, Cole had not been texting in the group chat at all, so I was worried he wouldn't respond. Within two seconds, I had the name Chance Moore on my phone. So I was like, all right, it's Chance. Next time down the floor. So now, you know, you get a name, you get a little personal connection with the official. So Cole, Cole is always on top of it. You know, if you guys ever need anything, just tweet, tweet at Cole. He will tell you everything you need to know about the officiating crew that night. In, in our Discord, I mean, I was given the breakdown on Gary Maxwell, the older official last night. He's one of my least favorites. So I was actually working Gary before the game. He acted like he didn't hear me. That's SOB. You know, how insulting that he wouldn't even turn and look at me. But I was talking to Gary, you know, and Gary is the one last year that threw K-State students out of the game in Bramlage Coliseum against Texas. So I posted that on our Discord channel. So that made me a little antsy. I told DY before the game, I went up to press row. I was like, Man, I'm a little nervous about riding these guys tonight because Gary tosses fans. Uh, but Chance Moore. See, Chance Moore, the thing is, and Scott Drew recognized this from the start of the game. You notice the one official Scott Drew worked the entire game was Chance Moore because he knows Chance Moore is kind of a scaredy cat out there. You know, like he's the guy that you can intimidate. Yeah, he's the younger official. And, you know, so, so Chance Moore calls the travel on Baylor at one point in the first half. And uh, Scott Drew's really mad about it. And then Chance Moore calls three consecutive offensive fouls on K-State in the ensuing two minutes. And so, yeah, Chance Moore, credit to him down the stretch. He gave K-State a, you know, couple couple whistles late in the game that that helped them. Uh, credit to him for coming forward. I'd like to think, I mean, not all heroes wear capes, but I think I wore him down, you know, emotionally and, you know, during the whole game. No, I'm kidding. Jerome Tang was working. Man, Jerome Tang was upset. Like, when they went into halftime, the coaching staff, was really heated at Transmore uh, and the way that he officiated that game. I thought Byron did a really nice job officiating. So, uh, and then I had my dad next to me yelling, uh, carry for our Ray J. Dennis was carrying the ball the whole game. And so, you know, we never got one carry. Kept, kept telling Gary, Gary Maxwell. That, 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 that's on cue as someone a little bit older wanting to get the carry. Yeah, no longer called in the game of basketball. I will say there was one point. There was a stretch of two minutes where I was getting a chuckle because Cole's Cole's courtside, and he is the only one standing because usually people courtside are a little bit more laid back and are just like uh, you know, not as feverish of a fan. Cole did not change his approach to being a fan even though he was courtside and he was just giving the refs the business for a good two or three minute stretch, pointing, just I, I imagine shouting expletives, but I don't know. I, but but the best the best part was cool. Sat down and then I, you were, you were next to your son Brody. And Brody looks at you and then Brody just pounds the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I said some bad things. I I did not actually curse. I, I believe guys. I believe it or not. I I did not. I do not believe that. I do not oh, lie. That for I'm serious because I, I had Brody next to me and I kept it within that. Uh, I believe, but now maybe there was a heathen moment. I also knocked my chair over four different times standing, so I apologize to the people behind me. Uh, I bet I bet those, because you know, people at courtside are a little bit more, that's a different kind of person. I imagine they're hoping you're not back for the next home game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was a fun experience, uh, but it, I, Curry, Curry in our uh, group chat, too. Curry was like, man, cool. You were getting after it last. I was like, uh, I bet I was embarrassing to watch on TV if you could see me there. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, a crazy great atmosphere, though, guys. I mean, sandstorm, you get the full timeout. So you get the full sandstorm when it's at its best, where it's slow down, speeds up. A great moment. 
the Kaluma three, which we haven't even talked about, really the four point play to to really win the game. I mean, what where does that rank in terms of you know crowd noise and Bramage? I mean, that place just erupted. Oh well, I've got I've got some thoughts. I I have to say on that. Well, first of all, there I would just say there were like three great moments. You know, there was the first of all the the Dorian Finister alley oop which turns into a timeout. I, I will, you got to give Scott Drew credit. I said at the time, I was like, man, he is, he only had one timeout left with like eight minutes left in the game after the, I think it was the Tyler Perry three that then turned into a timeout. He used both of those very quickly to try and quell the noise, not let that place, which was at a fever, fever pitch at that point, not let it completely take over. And both times they went on a runs after that, after the Perry three, it was a seven Oh run immediately after that timeout. So I was just like, Touche. Scott Drew played those well, and it, and it worked out well. Obviously not in the end, but, you know, for a minute there. But those are really cool moments, really fun moments. You said it, the Dorian Finister jam, that turned into a, a sandstorm. But then yeah, the Kaluma 3, dude, that was an awesome, awesome moment. Uh, that was the point where, and this is, I wish there was a camera on me. You know, if I had the real primo seats, then maybe we'd get a camera shot of me here. But my buddy Steve literally just... I turn. I we were just screaming, and I turned to him, and he picked me up, like bear hugged me, picked me up, and then did like the Simba, like Lion King thing, and was just like twisting around and like showing me off to the crowd. And I was just like, I, I couldn't even control it. It just happened, <laughs> and so uh, I don't know how Steve did that. You know, I'm not exactly light, but uh, it it happened, and uh, that I call. Here's what here's what I came up with. I mean, look, the obvious moment. I still think the. The loudest moment, certainly that I've ever experienced in Bramwich, was was Cartier Jada with the the windmill dunk against Kansas in 2019, and it it is not just that one had so much built into it. I love these moments. Like I'll tell you all about the block punt against Oklahoma in 2000. It, all this stuff baked into the moment where it was like not just that that was the icing on the cake, the dagger to beat Kansas, but it was the game that puts you firmly in control in the Big 12 race. So it's not only are you beating your rival but you're probably now going to win the Big 12 championship. And you did it with this insane dunk that Cardi had the balls to pull off. So anyway, whatever. There's a lot that goes into that moment. It'll be really tough to top. But, you know, someone I see someone, Ryan, on on Twitter put together like this list because I asked, you know, where does that rank in terms of like Bramlage crowd pop history? He mentions um, alley-oop against Kansas in overtime last year, which was very loud. So was the Oklahoma State one uh, last year when Keontae threw that down. Um Tyler Perry against Villanova this year. He had Dean Wade against Baylor. I was trying to remember what that moment was. The Dean Wade moment I would have submitted was the reverse dunk against Oklahoma in the in the game where they won the Big 12 championship. Oh, the, the Dean Wade against Baylor, he went in and had a one-handed flush where he right. jumped from, yeah, and uh, the crowd exploded. He, like, dunked over a dude or something. It was kind of like a tomahawk, one-hand tomahawk I, thing. He played Oklahoma. He's probably more, but yeah. the thing is he broke his foot on that play. Yeah. Man. But so we have a lot of a lot of recency bias here now. You know, to be fair, yeah. the first it's what, not what, like, first twenty years of Bramlage were well, really Yeah, I was gonna say, John. Um, there's yeah. not a lot of great moments. Uh, well, you know, here, I have a couple. I have a couple. I've got the and one of them was in a loss. Again, we go back to you know we fetishize these losing effort things. But do you remember Cole the Kansas game in 2010 when College Game Day's there? That was Frank Martin's best team, the Elite Eight team with Jacob Pullen and company. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the exact circumstance is, and you'll probably be able to help me out here. But Rodney Magruder gets like a breakout, run out, yeah. and one that like tied the game. I think very, very late. That yeah. was a, an insane moment, or like the yeah. that that created a three point play that was just a, an insane moment in Bramlage. 
Um, and then the other one I would say is the, the night that the streak ended in 2008, Bill Walker got that like run out baseball pass dunk from the baseline that was like the, okay, like this is it. it it's happening. That's the put the capper on it. That was another really loud one and probably the loudest moment in that game. Well, and Rodney, Rodney Magruder had an and one against Texas when they were number one in the country on Big Monday. If you remember that, John, where the crowd just exploded. That was huge. I think put them up by six or seven in that game late, and they end up winning that game and beat the number one team in the country. So, yeah, a lot of uh, great moments. People are rule their eyes with Villanova this year because that rolled right into a sandstorm after Tyler Perry hit that three. <laughs> I mean, look, when the when Bramlage is full like that and you got the st- – shout out to the students, man. They showed up in full force. I mean, they they completely packed their sections. Jerome Tang wanted them to, and they showed up, and they created one heck of an atmosphere. It, w- it was tremendous last night. Um, so it was great. D.Y. D-Y John, can we talk about – like, so Kaluma makes that three, and he has the four-point play, which is incredible because he'd only scored one other backs- basket in the second half. In overtime, it was a layup with around a minute 40 left on a designed inbounds play that K-State got out of a timeout to cut it to four. That's the only two points he had scored in the second half, and then he hits that three with 20 seconds, just steps up and buries it. He goes three of six from three. He leads K-State in rebounding with 10 boards in the game. He had 12 points. Heck, I think he had the first five boards of the second half for Kansas State on the defensive end. But Arthur Kaluma only shot nine times, and Tyler Perry, Cam, they both shot 14 times each. Arthur Kaluma's shooting 45% from the floor. He's actually got the best shooting percentage out of the guards K-State plays, and he's shooting 40% from three. And in fact, over his last nine games, this is credit to Parker on our Discord channel, Arthur Kaluma's shooting almost 50% from three over his last nine games. In his career, his best three-point shooting percentage was last year at Creighton at 31%. He's taken a huge leap, just like Keontae Johnson did last year with this Kansas State coaching staff. But he only shoots nine times last night. He still has 12 points. Jerome Tang, I think, said it after the game, D.Y., correct me if I'm wrong, but, but he needs to shoot more, right? Exactly. Like He wants to shoot more. What what I will say is, at least on that particular night, it didn't feel like he turned down a lot of open looks. I didn't think. I thought Perry turned down a couple still, and I know he wasn't shooting well. I don't care how he's shooting. I want Perry to take them anyway because can't, that's still one of the better shots that Kansas State's going to get. I just didn't feel like... I feel like Baylor kind of schemed the Kaluma out of it. Okay, well, uh, that's that's good to know. I mean, I just I look at Arthur and he plays forty minutes and he takes nine I mean, field goal attempts. I yeah, just, I mean, any any shot, any open shot that he turns down is a mistake just because of how well he's shooting it, right? So I'm with you there. I just I can't remember too many times where I felt like he was turning something down. Um, Going back to environments, this one wasn't even a brilliant right, call. Real, real quick, do we, do we? I'm sorry, check my phone for a second. There's a call. Maybe you mentioned this, but I do we? I mean, Tank said post game he wants Kaluma to shoot more. Did we right. catch that impression? Yeah, like yeah. he. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Carry on. The win over the win over Michigan State in Madison Square Garden wasn't at Bramlage, but Madison Square Garden popped. So that one yeah. is so memorable for me. The the alley oop from uh, Marquise to Keontae. Yeah, I think I blacked out in, in the garden at that moment. So it's, uh, I didn't enjoy that game for one second until it was over. It was so stressful. <laughs> and I think I blacked out in my living room. Yeah, it was, that was, that was, that was insane. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious. People let, let me know on Twitter at JL Kurtz or those of you guys in the Discord, which, hey, patreon.com slash three mall. If you want to join the Discord, Discord, which not only are you getting inside info, but it's a, a ton of fun right now. Just five bucks a month for access to that. Plus, 
some post-game shows. We'll do post-game lives most of the time uh, when we can there, and also just bonus content throughout the week, patreon.com slash 3 for all of that, including... Cole, I did, uh, you know, who says I'm not a big Jay Journo? You know, I did a little, did a little reporting last night that I, I feel like I have to share with you guys. Um, obviously, I say this tongue in cheek, but I was, I was hanging out down around the tunnel um, after the game last night for a while, and I stuck around like for the entire Tang press conference, and I was just talking to some friends that I hadn't hadn't seen in a minute, so it was just soaking it all in and enjoying it. And look, I will just say. Jerome Tang was definitely very happy, but when he came over and saw Gene Taylor after the game, man, he was really happy, like really cheesing, really chummy, arm around him, walking halfway down the tunnel, talking for a very long time, like arm around him the whole time. I, I did snap a picture to throw it up on on Twitter there, but uh, it just, I, I know you guys have said it, that Jerome Tang and Gene Taylor are as close as ever right now and kind of a forged through fire thing with all the bullshit that they dealt with, with El Presidente, um, but it, I mean, it, all indications are that seems to be real just from what I could observe last night. So, you know, scoff if you want, whatever. It's just an, an observation. But one thing I happened to pick up while being down there, I was like, that looks like two guys that really do love each other a lot. And that's after, you know, Tang does his usual hop into the student section, went out of his way in his opening statement of the press conference to love up the fans and everything that was happening. So I just to try and calm people a little bit there on that front. I mean, I, it seems like every single possible external sign right now seems to be pretty good about about where Jerome Tang sits with, with K-State, at least for right now. Yeah. And yeah, continue to have moments like that, that's tough to leave, too. Yeah. I mean, when you experience atmospheres like that, there's, you know, when Bramlage is full, like I said, and the energy is at a high, like not a lot of universities give their students as many seats as Kansas State does uh, in their arena and the capacity and uh, when they pack the place like that, the energy is one of the better ones. The atmosphere is one of the better ones. So, yeah, it's uh, and Scott Drew mentioned the fans, too, in the environment. And now, you know, Jerome Tang 3-0 and against Scott Drew and Baylor, including two overtime wins against the Bears. So 10-0 um, and in overtime in general now, which is yeah. third. There's basically like a 0.1% chance to go 10-0 and in overtime. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet, call it overtang, D.Y. What do you think of that? I think that was, hey, right give, give, give credit. Yeah, I was gonna say give credit where it's due. That was Marco. That was Marco. Oh, Marco tweeted that. Okay, all right, Coach yeah. Marco, man. Uh, and happy, I just saw it. happy birthday to Tyler Perry. Today's his birthday. Well, I'm sure he's feeling good because I'm I'm pretty sure they probably got the day off today. Wednesday, I think, is what drum day yeah. day off. So celebrate uh, his birthday and uh, just a, a really fun night. They deserve a day off. <laughs> they definitely deserve a day off after that. That was, that was a high intensity game. I mean, physical. I was impressed with how physical Baylor was. You know, they had struggled in the paint defensively, but they were getting after it. And I mean, they like DYU said, they attacked the offensive glass. And look, they were a good offensive rebounding team coming into the game. They were top 35 in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. They owe board 43% of their misses in that game. They crashed the glass hard. And I mean, I think a lot of it was like K State having to help defense, trying to block the shot, getting to the rim. Baylor's guards are bigger, and, and that helps side defense then leading to a, a ricochet or a rebound for Baylor as part of that. But it's uh, just an incredibly impressive defensive performance. Yurik Malagy and the staff doing a hell of a job with these guys. You have like one one quick word on Oklahoma State? They're not going well right now, but – with just life in the Big 12, coming off a huge win like that, 
the pokes do for a breakout game. Maybe it doesn't happen on the road. I think that'd be odd if it did. But remember, K-State still is the same team that got smoked at home by Nebraska. So I wouldn't take this game for granted. And so, you know, we have students that listen to this podcast. I mean, you need to keep what you did for Baylor every game. I know that we probably won't see that, but that's really what it requires. And I, I bet I bet we see a little bit of a dip against Oklahoma State just because they're not that sexy name across the, the other end of the, the floor, and I get it. Uh, no game is easy in the Big 12, even against Oklahoma State. KU just did smoke them. Oklahoma State's had all kinds of travel issues that probably affected some of their performance in the early going of the season as well. Um, I think that game's probably going to be more of a dogfight than people want it to be. Well, it's an emotional letdown spot for Kansas State, and Oklahoma State's been embarrassed three straight games. They lost by 17 at Texas Tech. They lost by 24 at Iowa State, and they lost by 24 to Kansas on their home floor last night. And so I feel like Mike Boynton, like, do they rally the troops or do they just completely fold it up and quit? I think Mike Boynton's a fighter, and I think they'll try to come out and punch K-State and try to catch them off guard. They they did arrive in Lubbock the day of the game. They did arrive in Ames basically right at tip time. That, they had to delay that tip because they got to Ames so close uh, to or so late. Uh, not to give excuses, but, I mean, they've been through the ringer quite a bit this year. Yeah, I, I expect it to still be a, a hard game and dogfight, but it's a doubleheader. It'll be a really fun day to be in yeah, Manhattan. The first, yeah. yeah, the women play Kansas at 1 o'clock in Bramlage Coliseum. Then you can go grab a bite to eat, support Manhattan local businesses, go get something to eat, get a drink in between games and get maybe, back to Bramlage. Maybe, maybe get a drink at the Lou because we know now that the Lou exists. The Lou yes, is back. Thank you. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. So, not a sponsor, but could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody on our uh, on our YouTube commented that the uh, the Lou is indeed open and uh, appreciated the shout out. Uh, so, even though John Kurtz tried to shut the Lou down, folks, they are well, still it open. Was, okay. It was shut down, and I was sad about it. That's an institution, man. That's been there forever. He, he has never been there. You think we could get him there for a pregame drink Saturday? Should. Should. Hey, Discord. <laughs> yeah. Twitter, anybody, tell Derek. He started putting pressure on Derek to it to go to the Lou. K, K, they, the, the women played KU Saturday. KU did lose last night to Texas by about 30 in Austin. Yeah. Yeah, and KU was picked third in the preseason Big 12 standings. Uh, yeah, they, they, they've struggled. They did beat Baylor. They, they beat Baylor, but I, I think everyone's beaten Baylor lately. Yeah, well, that's not a good – that's not a bad thing for Kansas State women uh, who have a big one at TCU tonight. So – uh, John, what do you, saying, John, what do you know about the TCU women's hoops team? Um, they're pur- <laughs> they're purple. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, speaking speaking of TCU, uh, pick first in the Big Twelve, I think, in baseball and a top ten team in the preseason pool. Well, I thought you were going to say TCU loses on the road to Cincinnati last night. Yeah, well, but I was just trying uh, to get some baseball and Key State. I think the first pull is out there twenty four. I want to say. Yeah, they're they're gonna yeah. Co- college baseball, there's there's literally like six poles. It's pretty annoying. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they're. I think they're. I would. It's been close to a consensus so far from what I've seen that they're going to be a top twenty five team in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. And the other the other consensus top twenty five teams, the Big Twelve, I think are what TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech looks like. You know, a lot of the usual suspects. Yeah, um, yeah. Road teams, by the way, uh, were one and three in the Big Twelve last night. So. Beat goes on with uh, with I, I was about to really beat the Horn Frogs drum, and and I probably still will. They've had probably one of the trickiest schedules to start the year, but um, 
that's a big loss to Cincinnati. Oh, uh, they're good. I mean, yeah, that, that's just a tough grind that they had at KU. Then they got, uh, what, they played Oklahoma at home, Houston at home, and then at Cincinnati, which is a tough spot. Cincinnati's good. So, yeah. Any thoughts on uh, Iowa State slipping to two and two and getting pounded at BYU? That's not particularly that surprising. Like BYU is a four point favorite, and I thought BYU at home, they're pretty tough. It's a big arena. BYU's tough at home. Iowa State already went. They were coming off a win over Houston, right? Or, or close to it. So, uh, yeah, it's just life, life in the big. Never good when I see ESPN's top performers for Iowa State. It listed Tan and Lipsy with uh, nine points and three steals as the. Uh, I would top. imagine Iowa State's still Iowa State. They're going to get a lot of games that they shouldn't lose, some that they shouldn't, and still play. I mean, K State's kind of built like Iowa State has been the past. I was, I was just about to say I should not poke too much fun because that's basically sure. what K State has turned out to be this year by necessity. Thank you, Dick Linton, but. And Quez Glover's MCL, but you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay, all right, we'll ramp it up. Uh, fun one, appreciate all of you guys. Patreon.com/slash three ma if you want more. Uh, thank you to DraftKings, thank you to Homefield Apparel. Use promo code three ma 23 for 15% off your first order. Thank you to our friends, of course, at Holiday Distillery as well. Uh, I believe they're having a Chiefs watch party this weekend, if you're interested in that, on uh, on Sunday, too. Uh, for Nick Springer behind the scenes, Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to 3Ma. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.